All right, good evening. Hope you had a restful afternoon. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I want to bring a message we've entitled this evening, Encouragement uh, Through Christ. Encouragement Through Christ. Let's read Philippians chapter 1, and we'll start with a reading of verses uh, 1 through 6. Uh, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in, Je- in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight as we uh, come to this message tonight and as we seek to look into your word and help us, Lord, to see Lord, how encouraging uh, Paul was as he writes from prison and as he writes to people that are suffering and, and help us to see, Lord, that no matter what we're going through in this life, that there is encouragement in Christ and there is the joy of the Lord that we can have uh, no matter what is going on in our life. And Help us to see that tonight and how that, that joy is connected to the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, we pray that you would just bless us tonight and help us to see Christ this evening. Encourage us through the word uh, to live for Jesus, to focus on Jesus, and to follow Jesus, to be more like Jesus, to honor Jesus, and to glorify him. Help us, Father, to be a people of the word and to be people who are focused and centered on your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, and amen. All right, I really hope that this uh, message tonight greatly encourages you. Um, uh, If you are encouraged tonight, I think that one of the reasons you'll be encouraged is because you love Jesus Christ. I think that uh, God's people, uh, they're encouraged whenever they're focused on Christ because they love Him. Nothing will cheer the heart and lift the spirit of a child of God any more than for them to be reminded of the Lord Jesus in their life and how that all their life is by Him, through Him, and to Him. Nothing cheers us more as a child of God than to get our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul writes this short letter from prison. He writes from prison, and he's also writing to a suffering people. Uh, So we have a suffering apostle who's writing to a suffering group of Christians, yet we do not find this at the same time to be a depressing letter at all. Um, I have no doubt that the people that he's writing to probably have it much worse than we have it in regards to uh, their government, in regards to their culture, in regards to what they were physically going through uh, because of their connection to Jesus Christ. I have no doubt they had it much worse than what we do today. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about things of our world. What I'm saying is we don't have it as bad 
and yet here we have so much in regards to the joy of the Lord. Paul's able to have joy, and I think he's encouraging them to have that same joy. And so we find it a most encouraging note here that reveals really the supreme importance of Christ and how that we, we can have the joy of the Lord no matter what is going on in our life around us. Paul reveals in verse 6 that he knew that God was at work in them and that God was going to complete that work until the end. Now this small letter, though written from a prisoner of the gospel to a suffering people, is a letter where we find some of the most encouraging words in, in the Word of God. And some of these sayings we might know very well, some of these sayings that are found in Philippians. We have the famous saying, I press toward the mark from Paul in this letter. We have words like rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Later he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He also says in this letter, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And also, for it is God which works in you. I mean, there's just so many encouraging statements throughout this whole letter. This little letter truly reveals what Paul said in Romans 11.36 when he said this, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Paul is Christ-centered and he's pointing us to Christ. So he does that in all the letters. I understand that. But here, as in this letter to the people at Philippi, it's just so unique for many reasons. And one of the reasons is that as he writes this letter, there's really no personal rebuke at all. There's no personal rebuke at all. Now, I, I do not believe for a moment that the people were perfect. I do not believe for a moment that there may have been something in their life that could have been corrected. Uh, but at least in this letter, there's no warnings. Uh, the only warning you can really find uh, is to them not to murmur or complain. That, that's about it. Hey, don't murmur and don't complain. And they were taught to be in unity, but that doesn't mean that they were in disunity. Um, but there seems to be no really direct rebuke for anything that they were doing. There are reasons for rebuke when sin is known, and, but there's also times when it, people just need more than anything in, at this moment in their life. They just need encouragement by focusing their, their attention on the person of Jesus Christ through whom we live and whom, whom is everything to us. And, and that's what this letter does. It, it gets us focused on Christ. Now, first of all, I want you to take note of this in this letter, suffering and Jesus, or suffering and Christ. So here's what is, one of the things that's so unique about this letter is that this letter speaks so much about joy, so much about joy, yet at the same time talks so much about suffering. We don't think of those two ever going together. Listen, joy is not obtained by the absence of suffering. Now, I understand when we go to heaven, there's going to be no suffering, and that's going to be joyful. I get that. But we are not limited to joy by how much suffering we have in this life. I know a lot of people, and no doubt you have too, that are, that are not suffering, but they don't have the joy of the Lord. 
They're not suffering, but they do not have the joy of the Lord. So does an absence of suffering always mean you have the joy of the Lord? It does not at all. The child of God can have joy in suffering. I think especially so when they see that they're suffering from the purpose and perspective of their Savior. In other words, they see their suffering the way that God sees their suffering. And they can see maybe some of the purposes that God has in their suffering. Paul here was able to rejoice in the suffering he faced because he knew that part of God's purpose in Paul's suffering was for the advancement or the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that's part of why Paul could be happy while in jail. We see this from the very beginning here in Philippians chapter 1. And look what in verse 12 and 13 he says this, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. He says, everybody knows why I'm in here. Everybody knows I'm here because of Jesus. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so Paul seems to be glad that, hey, I might be in jail, but because of where I'm at and everybody knows why I'm here, more people become bold and, and speaking about Jesus Christ. Verse 18, he says this, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. I mean, he, just, he knows some people are, are really kind of preaching against Paul and and. When you read down on down through there in the verses we kind of skipped there from verses 15 down, he realized some people are talking about Paul being in jail and why Paul's in jail because of Jesus Christ, whom he says has, has died and buried and rose again. Paul's in jail because he keeps talking about this Jesus that's done all this. And he's saying, hey, some people are preaching this, hoping to add to my inflictions. He said, but I don't care. Jesus is being preached. I mean, he, he was just glad the message of the gospel was going out, even if, it, if, in, if in purpose of trying to talk, just talk about Paul and to be little Paul. Paul was just so glad that because, of his, because of why he's suffering and the gospel was going out. And so he was able to rejoice in that. So Paul knew that because of his bonds, many had become bold and proclaimed Jesus. We're talking about why Paul was in bonds in the palace. And so he rejoices that, that the gospel of Christ is going out further. The gospel of Christ is carried out in the greater realms because of our suffering sometimes. If, we, if we're honest, we would admit that sometimes our suffering puts us in connection with certain people. Uh, it might put you in a hospital, and you'll be talking to certain people. It, it might put you in connection with other people because maybe you're going through some of the same things. But you know, at the, at the heart of the child of God, it brings us joy to know that the gospel of Christ is taken to other people in our life because of our suffering. That, that's a comfort to me. Um, I think it's a comfort to most of us, it, even in times when, we, when we've lost loved ones. I, I've heard this many, many, many times that when we've lost loved ones and we, we've had to gather here, and we, but yet at the same time we have rejoiced because we knew people were here and they got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They got to hear the testimony. It was part of our comfort in our suffering to know that even though our loved one that we miss and didn't want to let go of, though they have gone, yet there was a measure of, of joy even in that suffering because we knew that others were here that got to hear about the, the gospel of Christ. 
there is joy that comes a child of God because they love Jesus and they want people to know Jesus. And if our suffering somehow enables the message of the gospel to go a little bit further and to enter ears that maybe it would not have entered, but through that, we can take some joy in that. There's faith at work there where we can trust the Lord that, that can use it, that whatever we're going through at the moment, for His name's sake, he, he, he can use that, use that to further the cause of the gospel. He also taught how that suffering enabled them to fellowship or to draw closer to Christ. So one of the purposes is the gospel would go further, but so that the name of Christ would go further. But one, another one of the purposes of suffering is that we would be able to, to have an intimacy or a fellowship and communion with Christ uh, that, that, is, that is a realm all of its own. I love, I love what Philippians 3 and what Paul says in, in verse 8 through 10. Philippians 3, 8 through 10, he says this, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He says, I've lost everything because of Jesus. I mean, I mean, Paul had lost all things. But then he says, and count them as rubbish. Or I, I think the King James Version says done. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that... I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Being conformed to his death. Paul knew that through his relationship to Christ and suffering for Christ, that the Lord was drawing him closer in fellowship of his sufferings and communion, and therefore also he was being made more into the image of Christ. And so... Through his suffering, he's drawing closer to the Lord, communion with the Lord, and also he's becoming more like the Lord. Fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. And so he realized that the power of the gospel was at work in his life to make him more like Jesus through his suffering for Jesus. Listen, we have to admit, if we've been through any suffering at all, that that there, there is a communion, there's a fellowship, there's an intimacy sometimes that seems like can only be found through suffering. Through suffering we are brought into a place of, of utter and complete dependence upon the Lord. Paul says, I've lost it all. He was stripped of everything. But sometimes that being stripped of everything at the moment causes us to realize that our only hope is in the Lord, our only refuge is in the Lord, our only strength is in the Lord. Christ bore everything. And therefore, no matter what we go through, we can connect with Him. You know, sometimes people just connect with people because they've, they can identify with their suffering. They kind of went through the same thing. And so it, it formulates a little bit of a bond there. And I, I get that. And that's good and healthy. We can help each other that have been through the same sufferings. But the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, He knows all of our sufferings. We can always commune with Him better. You kind of get close with some people sometimes because they've been through the same things. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, He understands all we've been through. And the Bible says that He can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities because He was tempted when He was here, yet without sin. He went through everything. 
You know, Paul had a strong desire to know Jesus Christ, to know Christ in the sense that, I mean, Paul didn't know the Lord. I'm not talking about being saved, but to know more intimately the Lord. Look at what he says there in, in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul knew the Lord in the sense he's saved, he knows who Jesus is, he knows the Lord, he, he's trusted the Lord, but he still had this desire to know Christ even more. Folks, I, I really believe that if we see that we've lost the joy of the Lord, I believe most of the time we can connect that to that we, we've lost the desire to know the Lord. I'm not saying you're lost, you get that? I'm saying well, we have lost that desire to know Him more deeply and intimately and to commune with Him. Because if we have the desire to know Him more deeply and commune with Him, all of that, I think that comes with the joy of the Lord. What we're taught in John 15, what, if we abide in Him, what His Word will abide in us, but He also says, and my joy shall be in you. There's a connection there. There's great joy in knowing Christ. But in verse 10, that I may know Christ. Uh, that word uh, speaks to to get a knowledge of Christ or to perceive Christ, to understand Christ. It literally means to feel Christ. And that to know Him meant more than just experiencing from Him victories. A lot of times people want to talk about Jesus and they talk about victories. And, and here he says here, the power of His resurrection. We want that. We want to know the Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, though, he says. People want to live on the highs with Jesus, but they don't want to live in the lows with Him. To really know Him, we've got to experience Him and know Him in the highs and the lows. When we're on top and when we're on bottom, when we're in the mountains and we're in the valleys. Following Jesus doesn't mean we're always going to be on the mountain. It means sometimes we're going to be in the valley with Him, the valley of the shadow of death even. Let's move on here as He encourages them in Christ. So Christ is, is the key to endure suffering, to see it from God's perspective, to still have the joy of the Lord. And Christ is the key here uh, to unity here in the body of Christ. Look, look how he focuses them on Christ here in Philippians 2. You know, there's a lot of things that, that people get behind and they come together and they're unified. And there's, there's some good things in that. You know, we can be unified for certain causes or purposes you know, in life, good causes and purposes. I go to an event where you connect with people and you're there for the same reasons and all that. And then that, that can all have its place. But people are there because they agree on whatever it is they're there for and they're coming together underneath that banner to, uh, to stand for something or promote something or to raise funds for something, whatever it might be. But for us as a church right here, listen, there's one main purpose here in all of this. There's one main person in all of this. The devil wants to bring suffering in order to divide or bring issues in order to divide. But when Christ is seen as the center of this church, as when Christ is seen and focused on the center for all of our suffering and, and everything, if we just draw near to Him through it all, then we get closer to Him and ultimately we get close to each other. In Philippians 2, verse 1 through 5, he says this, Therefore, if there's any consolation or comfort in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy 
by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not out only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Then he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Nothing was going to bring Paul more joy than to know that the people he's writing to, ministering to, were thinking like Jesus. Well, how do we become like-minded? How do we become like-minded? If we all think like Jesus, we'll be like-minded. That's the simplicity of it. We must be focused on Him. They need to think like Jesus in all things, in everything they perceived, in everything that they looked at. He spoke about consolation or, or comfort there in verse 1, or, an, or encouragement. When you look at the meaning of the word, that consolation and, and encouragement in Christ. He knew that for them to be greatly encouraged, they needed to focus on Christ and to think like Christ. We have to look at this world and look at everything we're going through from the eyes of our Lord. Oftentimes, we're busy looking at, at the world and everything from other people's opinions, right? We need to look at everything from the eyes of the Lord. They also need to be careful that through suffering that they didn't become self-centered. Maybe that's part of the reason he, he wrote this or or develop a sense of self-preservation or self-serving. Suffering sometimes, let me tell you what suffering does, it brings out the best in people. Also brings out the worst in people. <laughs> it seems like it has that same effect. But when we go through trials, we can fall into the trap of only thinking of self. Paul did not want them to think like that. They were suffering people. So he said, hey, don't think about yourself. Think like Jesus. Don't think about self. When we go through trials, we can fall into that trap so easily. So he's saying that comfort, courage, and joy was going to take place when they thought like Jesus Christ and were other people-minded and other, others-oriented. They couldn't be focused on what they personally wanted or needed. They had to be focused on the interests of others. They needed to think like Christ. You know, listen, one of the best things you can do if you are going through a lot, you may not believe this or realize this, one of the greatest things you can do if you're going through a whole lot and you've got a lot going on in your life, a lot of suffering, one of the best things you can do is to get your mind off your, your suffering and to focus on other people and find out what maybe you can do for them. We've been, we've, it's so easy to become so self-absorbed with our own pain. And one of the best remedies to get out of that mindset is to think about other people and maybe help them in their pain. I think he wanted them to do that. And as a body of Christ, if we're all doing that, then listen, you won't have to look out for yourself. Other people are going to look out for you. And it's nice when you have that kind of unity, that kind of love of Christ and in, in, in the body of Christ to where you know what, you don't have to think about yourself because you know you've got other people have got your back. Other people are going to be there for you, love you, focus on you. So you don't have to think about yourself. You can think about them, how you can help them. And they're thinking about how they can help you. Look, every man on the interests of others. It's nice to think like that. But in order to think like that, we have to think like Jesus because he thought of others, not of himself. No matter what may seek to distract us or to divide us, 
Uh, if we get focused on Christ, then we'll be unified as a body of believers here. Our unity, our, our now let's, let's people can there, there's unity itself is not a sign that we are uh, where we need to be as a church. There, there are churches that get unified over a lot of things. In other words, there are churches that get unified unified over, over standing for certain issues that aren't even biblical, right? I've seen that. You've seen that. Uh, unity itself is not a sign that we're where Jesus wants us to be, but it's a unity that is based upon the person of Jesus Christ, His Word, His authority. So it has to be founded upon Him, not just unity. A lot, a lot of people want to go to somewhere where, well, everybody's unified. Well, listen. Unity itself can be a bad thing if it's not centered on the person of Christ. Um, anyhow, I could go a long ways with that. A lot of people all together at once have done terrible things in unison, but it wasn't good. Paul set this example of, of a selfless love and concern based upon the person of Jesus Christ and he, Paul also stated that, that, that if he was sacrificed for the service of their faith, that he joyed and rejoiced with him. To him, the people of Philippi were worth his suffering. He said, I went through a lot for you guys, he said, but it's worth it. They must see Christ at the center of all their suffering and purpose for all their living. Everything they were going through, Paul wanted to know it was all because of Christ. And that now they were to look out for each other in the mindset of Christ so they think like Jesus, serve one another. You know, he, he tells them here in chapter 2 and verse 19 through 22, I like what he says about Timothy. He says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. Not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And if we are seeking the things of Christ as Timothy and thinking like Christ, then we will take care, take care of the state of others just like Timothy had here in the body of Christ. Let's, let's go on here to think about purpose in Christ. In Philippians 3 there in verse 14, Paul says this, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul has this sight set on the person of Jesus Christ. Now, how are we going to get through what we're going through? How are we going to make it? We must stay focused on Him. Uh, many people sometimes, in order to keep them motivated for certain things, uh, they like to put images of things that they want around their house. So that, that's one of the things they teach people, you know, with, with, uh, that are kind of working for their own or multi-marketing sometimes. They, they say, man, you want to get to a certain status. Well, put, you know, think about what kind of image, what kind of thing you want. And they'll say, uh, I've heard people say, well, well, print an image off of kind of a house that you want. Put it on your refrigerator so you see it all the time. It's kind of like a, a motivator to keep working and to press forward and to go forward so that you can obtain and so that you can get that one day and so to encourage them to work hard and labor hard so I can finally have that house that I dream of, that I want of. 
Now, folks, we, we, need, we need a mental image, if you would, of the person of Jesus Christ. We, we need Him on our refrigerators, if you would, that we see Him every day. I'm not talking about printing off a picture of Jesus, you know, and put on your refrigerator, but we, we need to have Christ as our goal. We need to have Christ as our goal. Press toward the prize. Press toward the mark. I'm not talking about pressing toward Jesus to get, save us from our sins. I'm talking to saved people here tonight that we need to focus on the person of Christ. He needs to be our motivation. Say, well, preacher, what's our vision for New Testament Baptist Church? I'd say Jesus. What's our goal? To please Jesus. What do we want this church to look like, preacher? Jesus. If we're, if we're not careful, we get real caught up in just traditions or being religious, more concerned about our preferences than we are about the person of Christ. It must be, always be, always be about Him. I want us all to go the same direction. We need to be unified with where, the direction that we're going. How, how do I do that? What's my goal? What's my mission? What, what, what should I be focused on as a pastor? My focus should be to always set Christ before us. To always set Christ before us so that we're all focused on Him. We're all going towards Him. Let me read just a few verses for you from Ephesians 4. I, I use this passage much to remind me, myself, of my job as a pastor, what my goal should be as a pastor. Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16, he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why, why am I here? Well, what's my responsibility? He says, For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. See, I, I am to help prepare you to do the work of the ministry. My purpose is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's my purpose. Till we all come to what? The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into Him whom is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I as pastor must keep my, the right purpose and perspective. I don't have to come up with a mission statement. <laughs> I've already been given one. My mission statement is that I am the pastor in such a way to get us focused on Christ, that Christ would be our glory, or the glory of what we seek after, and that Christ would be formed in us. Say, so, well, preacher, what, what, what do you want from me if I'm a member here? What, what's, what's your greatest thing you want from me as, as a church member at New Testament Baptist Church? That's a really easy answer for me, for you to become more like Jesus. For you to focus on Christ in every aspect of your life. That's my goal. Now, I need your help, of course. I can lose track. I can 
lose that sight sometimes, but I believe the Lord always brings me back to that. We must pursue Christ's truth. We must pursue Christ's love. We must pursue Christ's holiness. We need uh, to seek to be more humbly like Christ, uh, more selfless like Christ. Uh, and, and as we seek to focus on Christ, listen, the body functions as it should. And that's the connection here. When, whenever we are focused on Christ here in, in Ephesians 4, growing up in the Christ, we find stability, right? In doctrine, we're not blown about by every wind of doctrine or stability of doctrine. We find the, the craftiness and deceitful, deceitfulness of men. It won't pull us away. And we find that, boy, we will work together good as a body of Christ, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. And so we, we just work together. Say, I want the church to work and function correctly, <laughs> as it should, to its full capacity. Well, that happens when each and every one of us are focused on the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is the one that's brought us together. Christ is the reason that we're here. It's all about Him. Paul tells us, and we, we love this, these verses here, we think of it often, in Philippians uh, 4.13, he says, he says uh, this, very, very familiar of course, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Such, such encouraging words. And he's talking about contentment right there, being content. Listen, no matter what you're going through in life, no matter how bad it may get, if, if you have Christ, listen, you can be content. No matter what sufferings we go through or face, no matter what may be troubling us, what has gotten our attention for momentarily get us off focus of the Lord, Listen, we get our, when we get our focus back on Christ, think like Christ, pursue Christ, listen, we, we can have the joy of the Lord no matter what we're going through. He, we can rejoice in the Lord. And again, I can say we can rejoice whenever our life, our heart, our mission, our purpose, our, everything about our life is truly lived for Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the reason. He's the reason why we're here. He's the reason why we're here. It's all about Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us, Lord, I pray, to be encouraged by the word of the Lord tonight. Help us to be encouraged by Christ, to be focused on Him, and help us, Lord, to seek to glorify Him in every aspect of our life. I don't know what everyone's going through tonight, but I pray that we would see that as your children, you have a purpose for this in our life, to draw us closer to you, to make us more like Jesus, to maybe spread the word of God. Father, just help us, Lord, as a church, to grow in unity because we are centered upon the person of Christ. Help us to pursue him with all of our heart, mind, and strength. Help us to know that no matter what's going on in the world, we can have the joy of the Lord whenever we are centered on the one who is all of our joy. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, and amen. All right, let's stand, please, we sing.